The Water Coolest daily financial newsletter is now powered by Barstool Sports. It's the only newsletter that I read every morning to stay informed on what the hell is going on in the markets. You can check it out at barstool.link slash watercoolest. That's barstool.link slash watercoolest. W-A-T-E-R-C-O-O-L-E-S-T. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Tea with Publicity. Another glorious week. We have an exciting episode for you. So if you're new here, my name is Alyssa Amoroso. I am joined by my producer, Emily. What's going on? Hello. How are you guys? Welcome back. New week. Um, let me just give you guys a little rundown of what we're going to discuss today because I'm really excited. I feel like we haven't done an episode about this kind of topic in a really long time. I try to do a little bit of everything, but like we are in need of a discussion like today. So first, what we're going to do is I'm going to catch you guys up on my life, what I've been up to. Then we will get into an interview with Sammy from Find Food Freedom. Um, she's really freaking cool. Right before the interview, I'll read you guys a little bio about her. But basically, she is going to talk to us about diet culture and um, intuitive eating. And I have so many questions for her. So I'm really excited to get them all out there and have you guys hear them. And then she will also be joining me for the Ask Alyssa segment where we give some advice. And then as always, we will spill the tea. Except unfortunately today it's going to be sad tea because I do want to talk about the entire Gabby Petito situation. There's not really much happening in pop culture, but that is something that is all over the news and something I just kind of want to dig into. So, on a lighter note, um, how was your weekend? What did you, what did you get into? I had a wild Friday night. <laughs> I just, you know what? I drank too much. So, like a lot of my uh, friends are just, you know, they've been out of town recently. So I kind of just like went out with my guy friends on Friday night, and I was a little worried about doing this because I don't do this a lot. But I just felt like, ugh, I don't want to be, like, following them around. And, like, what if they're trying to get with girls? Yeah. And I just felt like it was going to be weird. But it ended up being a great time. And then I ended up running into some people, other people that I knew. So it just, like, worked out very well. But, yeah, I did drink too much and then slept all day Saturday. So. <laughs> I do. I used to love going out with my guy friends that were older because they took care of me like I was their younger sister. Right. They would, like, pay for all my drinks, get us rides. I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. That's, like, the one thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to pay for any drinks. Anything. Your guy friends. And, yeah, one of my guy friends was like, don't even worry. Like, I'll babysit you. Like, I got you. And it just, <laughs> he did like, not end up babysitting me because, you know what? Like, I just clearly wasn't, <laughs> I was unwell and I you went did to your bed on <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so funny. I actually drank quite a bit this week on one of the days. And then me and my friends, so my friend Chelsea, her it was her 30th birthday and she like loves to not sit still. She's one of those people who like she's like we need an activity, we need to do something. So I saw this thing on TikTok for this place called um collective retreats on governor's island and it basically was like it looks like a campground and you go and they have like lunch and you could do a full like wellness retreat there you could sleep there Whoa. they have yoga they have like tours whatever so I'm like let me make a lunch reservation there and let's go to governor's island because again she likes to do stuff so I'm like we could take the ferry we'll go to governor's island I have no idea what's over there we'll walk around um and I kept saying to my friends I'm like 
this might be the fire festival situation. Like either we're going to go and it's going to be a luxury event or we're going to go and it's going to be fire festival. And this like quote unquote luxury retreat is just going to be like tents on a lawn. Well, were there pictures of it? There were, but like for something that looks so cute online, there's no social media hype about it. Well, I always go on to Instagram and then I like look at the tagged location for it. And, and then there, I see other people's pictures. There's like five. Like, okay, that's, there's, that's a little that's sus. A, but the ones that are there look beautiful. And then this like this place, Collective Retreats, I guess does um, things like this in other cities. Like there's one in Denver. There's, and those look beautiful. So again, we're like, we'll just see. I don't know. Like I'm, if it's really as cute as this, like why isn't there more social media hype about this? So we take the ferry over to Governor's Island and like immediately upon like entering, we were like, this is cute. Like it was very, I also watched Hamilton the night before. So I think I was in my head like in DC or just like old times because I'm, (laughs) because I watched this like Renaissance play. But I was like, I feel like I'm not in New York. I feel like I'm in Washington DC. But it was, so it's like, There's a lot of trees and nature and it's an island so you could like walk or bike around the perimeter and you could see the Statue of Liberty and the skyline and it was just like really beautiful so we walked around and then finally it was also so freaking hot we were like dying sweating we finally made our way to collective retreats and we're like this doesn't look open but it looks so cute. So we go through the gates and they're setting up for a wedding. And we were like, wow, this is like a really beautiful wedding destination because it's like so private. It's very campy, kind of like Palm Springs vibes. But I find that so interesting because like you have to take the ferry to get there. I know, but that's why we were like, this would be sick. Like picture you do like drinks on a boat around the Statue of Liberty and then they drop you off at the venue. We were like, this could actually be sick. Wait, that's kind of smart. I know, so smart. So we were like, this seems weird. So we walk up and they're like, hi, we're closed for a private event. And we were like, but we made a lunch reservation. And he's like, well, you shouldn't have been able to. Like, that was a mistake on open table. Like, we're closed. So I knew it. Like, in my gut the whole time, I'm like, something's wrong. But we still, like, we just shook it off. We made the best of the day. There was other restaurants, like, on Governor's Island. And um, we got, like, seafood. And then we were, like, drinking at lunch. And then we rented a four-person bike. (laughs) So, like, it was so fun. So then we rented a four-person bike. There's, like, two people in the front, two people in the back. It looks kind of like a golf cart. Right, right. But you pedal. No, I know what you're talking about. So we were, like, pedaling around the island. And there was this, like, deep hill at one point and the girl that was steal like steering starts steering us up the hill and in my head I'm like you have we have to get more momentum like we can't just free ball like up this hill right now like if we're gonna go up this hill we would have needed to be picking up speed <laughs> from like far away so all of a sudden we're like all little buzzed we're like halfway up the hill we lose steam and we just start rolling back down <laughs> literally backwards rolling down the hill people are like sitting on the hill like on blankets drinking they're crying laughing because we're literally just rolling backwards down the hill like it was just it wound up being like a really fun day um and then we took the ferry back into New York and my friend's mom um like catered dinner because she wanted to like surprise her daughter with something for her birthday and she flew in um like king crab from this place that we love in Miami from Joe's oh my god it was so good so we had like crab legs and we just drank wine and we played like a game like it was just like a wholesome like friend yeah day 
you know? I know exactly what you're talking it about. It was so nice. Like, um, very fresh, very pure. So pure, so <laughs> fun. Like, we were crying, laughing. We were, like, on our feet all day, but we were drinking and we were eating. Like, it was just, like, such a nice, nice time. And I'm just really excited that fall is here because I feel like hopefully we'll have more weekends like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, before I jump into my next story, you told me you had something you wanted to share about working on my show, and I'm curious. Okay, yeah. We, like, didn't talk before we got on air, because I'm like, I want to hear this with the viewers Yes, or well, listeners. this is something I wanted to share with you, but I thought this would be, like, a crazy podcast thing. So <laughs> before, so I'm currently an intern at Barstool, and before I got my job here, I was just, I had an interview, and I was, like, waiting to hear back. I, I didn't think I was going to hear back because the interview it went like well but it was like it wasn't like I wasn't excited about it I wasn't like I killed it like I I 100% know I got right yeah so I was just waiting and I followed up and didn't hear back and it was like it ended up being like three emails later was when I got an email back but anyway so like during this time where I'm waiting to hear back I'm I'm still living in the city and I find out that the Barstool office is like two blocks from my house and my apartment, I mean, and so like one day I walked by it and I just like said a quick prayer. Um, but there was just like all these like little things that were happening that were showing like, like little signs. signs. Yeah. And one night I went to dinner. This was like maybe a couple, I would say a week before I found out that I was getting the internship. I, I don't know the timeline specifically, but I went out to dinner and I, this was like, Maybe a couple weeks after finding out about who you are and that mm. you were at Barstool and that you did a podcast here. And I'm out to dinner and I saw you. Oh, my God. Where and was it? Uh, Olio. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I was like, oh, my God. That girl works at Barstool and she Wait, has a podcast so there. Oh, my God. Like, this is a sign. This is weird. Like, like, do I say hi to her? Do I like? No, no, no. Because I'm so not the person to bother, like, anyone who's yeah. like, not to like call you like famous or like a celebrity or whatever it is but like I don't bother people that are I get that famous and, yeah like, are celebrities so, like why would I bother you and so I was like maybe if she walks by to like go to the bathroom like I'll say hello and say I you know apply to work at bars or like whatever but otherwise I'm just not gonna say anything but I was just like this is a sign like we weren't even supposed to go to this restaurant that night and I just saw you and then literally a couple days later is when I found out that I got the That's job so here. weird and not only that it's like now I'm like producing your podcast which is just so weird it's so weird how things work out because I feel that way too with things like I felt like I don't even know if you know my story and I told this when I very very first got hired and people are probably like new so they might not know but I the TikTok that went viral that made me like get the push to um like apply or DM Dave was posted on 11 11 which is like you know a good date like November 11th and I went to a psychic medium and he was like your grandma is your guardian angel and she has been wondering if you've been seeing the number 1111 a lot lately she's like pushing you in the right direction so then I went back and I noticed I didn't even know I posted the TikTok on November 11th and I went back and I noticed I posted it on 1111 and I had kept seeing those numbers consecutively like leading up to that and then that video that blew up was around like mid-sized fashion and that's what kind of gave me the push to make a career change and then I DM Dave and then I got the like same like just a weird yeah when you pay attention to signs I feel like 
you're getting kind of like led in the right direction but you just need to be open to it right and I think like maybe even after I saw you I sent another follow-up email and that's what got my response like I don't know the sequence of events but I just thought that it was so weird that you know and I just found out who you are like I didn't really know anything like I didn't really listen to your podcast but I just saw you and I was like I'm seeing someone from barstool mm-hmm. like that like i just found out and about. there's not like that many of us yeah, there really you isn't know? and i also like don't i didn't know that many people coming into this job like i just knew a lot about the company itself and like the things that happen here and like we, things like that so i just it was just so weird to me that's that so funny I, I i was and the fact that now we're here and i'm like talking to you on your podcast is so, so weird. weird well you're in the right place I know. It, like that's just how life works and it's so weird because that's why i'm actually excited to have sam um sammy whatever she goes by on the podcast because she talks about like what i kind of first started talking about with like the food freedom and all of that and issues i still work through the the thing is like i don't always want to talk about one thing on my podcast like I don't always want to talk about I don't want to be the girl that only speaks about curvy fashion or only speaks about therapy or like I want to talk about everything but it's good to kind of dive into these things every few weeks and like check in and be like okay where am I at where are the listeners at like how are we feeling about these topics um so we will get into that interview with her I'm going to read you guys a little bit of like a bio about her and then she also has on her website something that says a note from Sammy and it's just like a little anecdote and I want to read it to you guys because I think it kind of sums up like the thoughts we all have in our heads and what led her to work in this field so let me do that now so Sammy is a registered dietitian certified intuitive eating counselor certified personal trainer owner of Find Food Freedom, co-host of What the Actual Fork podcast, and host of Find Food Freedom podcast. So she does quite a bit. And this is the personal anecdote from her website. She said, I've gone through stages in my life where I felt like food controlled me. I had tried every diet and nothing worked. I thought I was being good Monday through Friday by eating less and working out more. I would give myself a get out of jail free card on the weekends by indulging in foods I would restrict during the week. I would cut out specific food groups, cough, cough, carbs, thinking that if I just ate less of something, then the scale would go down and all my problems would go away until Monday came again. It was not until I started looking at food as fuel, as a fuel source and learning how to nourish my body that I was able to feel comfortable in my own skin, improve digestion and live a life of food freedom. So I wanted to read that to you guys because I thought it was really interesting. We will get into the interview now with Sammy and I hope you guys enjoy it and stick around after for the Spill the Tea segment. Okay guys, I am here with Sammy Previtt and we found each other on TikTok and as most of my guests are these days, like I find them on TikTok, we become internet friends and then I interview them for the podcast. So Sammy, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I know it's weird because I feel like I know you and you probably get that a lot, but now we finally get to meet virtually. I know. I think what you're doing um, on social media is so important. Her handles are um, Find Food Freedom and basically like just talking about diet culture and breaking stigmas and, um, you know, debunking the keto diet and this and that. And it's really fascinating. I want to kind of just hear like, a little bit about your food freedom journey because I did read something on your website about um, your journey and 
I just think it's so relatable. <laughs> um, we all go through this. And so if you could just start by telling me like a little bit about your food freedom journey um, and then we can kind of just go from there. Awesome. Yeah. So I, you know, went to college, knew I wanted to help people, but didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought maybe I would land somewhere in like nursing. And then my first class was like this mix of nutrition and fitness. And I was like, wow, I'm really interested in both of these. And so I kind of just continued down the nutrition route to become a dietitian. But in doing so, I had a completely horrible disordered relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And I think the majority of why I even chose that route was because there was like this deep longing in me to be like, I want to find heavy air quotes right here, the answer to life. Like, how do I lose the weight, keep it off, be happy, be accepted, like find love, like yeah. all of these things, right? Thinking that the size of my body was going to be the answer to that. And so unfortunately in the U.S., like a lot of our education in nutrition and dietetics is very rooted in diet culture. It teaches us how to restrict people, how to count calories, portion sizes, all that crap. So I ended up, you know, graduating and becoming a dietitian more disordered than ever, more confused than ever, because I didn't find the answer yet. Here I was this registered dietitian health professional. Mm. And it wasn't until I found intuitive eating, which was actually after I was a practicing dietitian that everything started to click with me because I was working with clients behind closed doors. I was helping people air quotes, lose weight for, you know, a few months, maybe a year. And if they could overcome the shame and guilt that they felt by gaining the weight back, they would call me and say, this isn't working. You know, I failed. I need a reset. And it just felt so icky to me. I was like, this is not right. This is not helping people. And that's when I found intuitive eating through a colleague slash friend. I was about to leave the field because I was like, this is horseshit. Like I hate everything I'm doing. I feel so horrible myself. I'm not helping people. So long story short, found intuitive eating did, you know, became a certified intuitive eating counselor under Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, the founders of intuitive eating. And it has changed my life. It has changed the lives of those I touch. And I'm just so honored to even talk about it every single day. Do you think you went into nutrition because of your disordered eating? Like, was it an obsession? You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, this is a big part of the conversation is the majority of dietitians are thin white women with disordered eating and eating disorders. It's crazy. And that's like a huge part of, you know, this work that I'm doing now is recognizing how there's a lack of diversity in the field and how so many of these dietitians are, I'm going to use heavy air quotes, healing themselves and going out there and preaching body positivity. And they're like a size zero or size mm. two. And it's really important to just bring that piece to this conversation. And I should have started with that is that, you know, I am a thin white woman. I'm cisgendered. I'm, you know, able-bodied. I have all these privileges. So it's important to just bring that into the conversation as we need more diversity. But back to what you were saying, yes, absolutely. Um, my disordered eating probably catapulted that desire for this career. Well, when I think about the people I know who work in that industry, they're people I would probably consider 
people with disordered eating to some extent, like heavily restricting, not having certain food groups. I think for me, this is something that I've been exploring like in therapy for the past few months because whenever I wanted to like lose weight, I would turn to a really extreme diet. Like I went on Atkins for like six months, lost 20 pounds, looked great, thought I was like, you know, answered all my prayers. The second I started eating bread, I gained back the weight plus some. And I'm now learning that there's this cycle of when you like restrict, 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 then you binge and you put it all back on. And, you know, it's like a journey for me. Um, I think the the thing that I'm having the most trouble with that I'm like interested in hearing from you and I think other people are, it's like when you decide, oh, I want to live a life full of, I want to live a life not dieting. I want to ha- find food freedom. Other people in society, because they're so used to diet culture, aren't accepting of that. Like they are like, what do you mean you're not dieting if you want to lose weight? You know, it's like, okay, so I guess it's twofold. One, could you want to lose weight while finding food freedom? And how do we deal with people that, like, aren't supportive of that choice? Great questions. These are some of the really, really hard questions. So if we go back to the first question that you had about – can you go back to that question again? I want to make sure I get the first question right. Yes, it was – could you want to lose weight, but still find food freedom? Perfect. Okay. Just want to make sure I was answering it correctly. So 99.99999% of the clients I work with still have this desire to lose weight, right? Because when you think about, so let's think about dieting in general. And, And I'll ask you, Alyssa, how many years do you think you've been immersed in diet culture? Let's start there. Literally forever. Right? Like our whole lives, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So, and, and so you think about, okay, you have so much experience in diet culture. And when we think of what diet culture is at the root of it, we are chasing a smaller body, right? Every decision we make around food, around movement, everything comes down to how can I have the smallest amount of calories? Is this going to shrink my body? Is my body going to get smaller? And so diet culture language, let's pretend you're speaking Spanish for that amount of time. So let's say you've spoke Spanish, AKA been in diet culture Mm -hmm. for 20 years. Now, if we're trying to flip over to this paradigm of intuitive eating and food freedom, that's like going from Spanish to German overnight. So saying, okay, we're not going to speak Spanish anymore. Now we're going to speak German. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, how am I supposed to do that? And because the intention in diet culture is weight loss and shrinking the body, the intention over in the intuitive eating paradigm is how do I trust myself again? Mm. How do I make decisions that feel physically, mentally, and emotionally pleasant? And so now when it comes to the body, the body can do three things when you intuitively eat. It can gain weight, it can lose weight, and it can maintain weight. And we don't ignore that with clients. It's not like we're not allowed to talk about it. It's just not the the progress that we measure. So do my clients lose weight with intuitive eating? Yes, sometimes. Do some gain weight? Yes, absolutely. They needed to. And some have no bodily changes at all, but their mental health improves drastically. Mm. Their life satisfaction, their, their blood work improves drastically regardless of if their body changes. So to answer the question, yes, you can, but you could also gain weight. You could also maintain weight. But the big 
disclaimer there is that you don't have to lose weight to get healthier. And that's where when it comes yes. to this diet culture, mm-hmm. thought processes, everybody equates weight to health. You can be healthy in any size body, just like you can be unhealthy in any size body. If health was determined by weight, everybody in a smaller body would have no diseases and would be perfectly healthy. And everybody in larger bodies would be very ill and have every disease. Mm -hmm. So that is what, when we, when we work with clients, we talk about, instead of saying like, you're not allowed to lose weight. I don't like slap my clients wrists or say that, but I'll ask them, why do you want to lose weight? Right. And a lot of the times it's one to be healthier, which then we'll dive into weight science and talk about, Hey, there's things we can do related to behaviors that will improve your health uncoupled from changing the size of your body. Or two, they'll say they want to lose weight, you know, to build their self-confidence. And then that's when we look at, okay, we need to unpack and look at body image work because we know that body image has everything to do with our brain and mm. nothing to do with the physical body. That makes so, sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I just went so many directions. So. No, no. I, I'm like spinning with questions in my head because I have so many. I Okay. The first thing that comes to mind for me, I'm like trying to unpack my thoughts, is could you hmm. so one thing that I learn I feel in therapy is like I have you have to like fully accept yourself like where you are today whether that's like what you look like or just how you fit into your clothes whatever it may be but I think what the struggle there is like people will write into me or I myself feel this way it's like could you still be accepting of yourself (laughs) but wanting to lose weight, like that's what I could never understand in my head because part of me is like, yeah, but but I would feel better this size. But then does that mean I'm not fully accepting myself where I am now? It's this constant like battle and it feels almost like fake for me to be like, yeah, I just accept where I am when it's not where I want to be. Do you get Got what I'm it. saying? I get what you're saying. Okay. And I think, I think yes, like there's definitely a layer of acceptance there. And I would just invite you to lean in with curiosity when those questions or not questions, when those thoughts come up of like, but I still want to be smaller or, but I would, whatever comes up for you, Mm -hmm. because we would want to dig in there because a lot of times the reason why people feel this way is they get the, they have been in a smaller body before, And like you explained at the beginning of this interview, you had been on a diet, you lost some weight. Mm -hmm. And what did, what, what, what happened to you when you lost the weight from other people? What did you hear from other people Mm -hmm. when you started? I know a lot of it's like validation from other people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that just, that's like taking a flame, like a uh, flame, right. And just like blowing on it and fueling it and adding fire to that flame And that external validation keeps us wanting that and thinking like, I will get more love, acceptance and praise Mm -hmm. if I am in a smaller body. And some of that is true because we live in an extremely fat phobic world and fat phobia is just really the fear of fat and fear of fatness and being fat and larger bodies. And so what I would invite you to do is, well, one, we can always chat off air, but (laughs) is really just unpack our fat phobia and why we're so afraid of weight and understand the thoughts and beliefs that we have about bodies were taught to us. Mm -hmm. We were not born into this world thinking that people in larger bodies are lazy and terrible humans. That has been taught to us. 
from the world around us. So not judging yourself for having those thoughts, realizing everybody has fat phobia and fear of weight. Like it's honestly the minority for people to not have those thoughts. Totally. But just being curious about it, giving yourself grace. And I know you use those words a lot on your podcasts and just, just digging into it and continue to dig deeper into it. I think for me, it's like the more work I do on this and the more I start understanding, the more it makes you kind of mad at like society for being like such assholes, (laughs) you know? Oh my gosh. You're like, screw everyone. Because I feel that way. Like even this past weekend, I was, um with my friends and we were all like biking and they were all like oh I'm so tired like my legs are throbbing and in my head I was like I feel nothing like I was in better shape in that sense even though I was maybe the one in the bigger body because I city bike like three days like two times a day and in my head I'm like this isn't hard at all like what are you talking about I wasn't really out of breath I was completely fine and everyone kept talking about how much it was hurting and I was like but it's not and I was like maybe I'm just a better biker you know and it's that's where it kind of comes into like health isn't always defined by weight or whatever it may be mm-hmm. that's a great example of creating evidence for exactly what we were just saying like if if you were one of the larger bodies and you were in better cardiovascular shape that just proves like being in a smaller body doesn't mean you automatically have better cardiovascular you know health mm-hmm yeah, it's really it's really interesting. The second part of that question was, um, how do you when you kind of give up dieting, like how do you find the confidence to, um, not like I feel like sometimes when you're in like a social setting, for example, it's like. I don't always want to have to be the one because I'm having a personal journey learning something to like educate the people around me because it's like you don't always have to take on that responsibility if you're on a different path than people but it's also like how do you tell the people around you oh yeah like I'm not dieting without getting into it and do you know what I mean it becomes such a piece of conversation yes absolutely and this is one of the things we probably talk about a a lot with our clients, because once you do feel confident and safe in your journey, that's one of the biggest obstacles because everybody else, it feels like a stuck in diet culture. So I love how you use the words, like it's not my responsibility to educate them. And that is like a mantra I have for my clients is release the responsibility to teach everybody else about Mm -hmm. intuitive eating and anti-diet work because that is not your job and you will get so burnt out trying to do that. Mm -hmm. And even myself as an intuitive eating dietitian and counselor, I always release myself of that. Like it's not my responsibility to teach or excuse me, to convince people not to diet. Mm -hmm. Once they're ready, then they come to me and say like, Hey, I feel you. I understand your message, but I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Then we start that conversation. So I love start with that mantra, just release yourself of that responsibility. It's not your responsibility. Now, of course, if there's a friend or a loved one that is genuinely curious and like asking you questions that feel really aligned and like you're in good conversation, that's different. Mm -hmm. But if it's like someone telling you how the keto diet is the best thing ever, and like you're, you just don't want to like lecture them. I think this is where therapy and like boundary work is so important, Um, which I'm sure you're familiar with if you go to therapy, is just setting boundaries that keep you safe. So a lot of times I'll role play this with my clients, you know, especially with the holidays coming up, 
depending on COVID with get togethers, but we'll kind of role play like, what is the most worst case scenario of a family member or friend? Like, what would they say to you? And let's play through that together. So you feel more comfortable and confident when it happens, but it's just having some things in your back pocket that you can switch the subject to. So if someone's talking about the keto diet, like you can acknowledge them and be like, that's great. I'm glad you're feeling great. Oh my gosh. Did I show you this picture of my Mm. friendship the other day? Like, look what he did. And then just totally pivot. And a lot of the times, like you can get away from it. Yeah. That's interesting. I think, yeah, there's so much, um, with intuitive eating specifically that I think I used to understand, which I do understand better now, but I assume a lot of my listeners are in the place I used to be. So I want to kind of dive into it because I used to say, and I've even said on this podcast, cause I've made progress since then. I've said like, I don't really get intuitive eating because if I listened to what my body wanted all the time, I would just eat cheeseburgers. Like I didn't get it because you think um, about the, when I used to think about intuitive eating, I would think that meant eat whatever you want all the time. When yeah. now I understand it means like listening to your body. So for example, when I leave the gym, no matter how much water I drink that day, I notice I'm like, like so thirsty and I'll be like, I'll tune into my body and I'll be like, what do I want right now? And sometimes it's like, I want watermelon because I feel dehydrated of course, with a meal, but like, you know, or yeah. I want a smoothie. I want something that's going to like salad because I want something that's going to really nourish me and like rebuild my muscles. So it's listening to your body, but listening to your cues, not just being like, oh, I want a cheeseburger. So my body's telling me I need to eat a cheeseburger. So like, can you kind of help explain the intuitive process? Because I think there is a lot of misconception around it. Yes this is, you hit the nail on the head that like the social media version of intuitive eating is that it's just like, eat whatever the fuck you want. Yes. Like that's what everybody thinks. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's exactly what people think. And I did too. Home. I was confused. Yeah. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, it's because the majority of people promoting intuitive eating are like these thin people, like eating donuts, like on a curated feed mm-hmm. and saying like, eat whatever you want. And so like, of course people think that. Um, so intuitive eating is an evidence-based practice. It has 10 defined principles. It has over 140 studies. And like you said, it, the whole process of it is, is evidence-based and teaching people how to turn in and trust their body. Now, what, what you were kind of touching on when you were talking there is principle number three, which is make peace with food and two of the other principles, honoring your hunger and trusting your fullness, as well as satisfaction. We're kind of pulling in multiple here. So it's hard to talk about intuitive eating with just one principle, mm-hmm. but that, that myth that we see on, intu- on intuitive eating and social media, when people think eat whatever you want, they're seeing principle number three, which is make peace with food, mm-hmm. which in order to do that, we have to have unconditional permission to eat. Now, when I say that people are like, so you're telling me I should eat pizza, cake and cookies and donuts all day long, every day. No, I never said that. Can you do that? Absolutely. You have full permission to do so. And along with that, how does it feel when you eat pizza, cake, cookies, ice cream Mm. all day long, every day, right? But the big thing is it's so hard for people to understand when they come from diet culture, because there's so much morality tied to food, right? So that good and bad, the guilt and shame. So what we do in the intuitive eating process is with that principle, help people remove the guilt and shame 
and see food as neutral. So then when they're coming to food choices, they can really choose what they want in that moment. Now, a lot of the times when we come from diet culture, we think, well, I'm only ever going to choose pizza and cake and cookies because that's all I ever want. Well, the reason we only want that is because in diet culture, we can't have it or it's air quotes bad to eat it. So I always use the example of a bow and arrow, right? When you're dieting, you're, you're pulling up your bow and arrow and you're restricting. So let's say it's the keto diet for sake of example, no carbs, no carbs, no carbs. You're pulling that bow and arrow back. And then you hit a breaking point where you say, fuck it. You let go. The arrow flies so much further in the other direction and you're binging on carbohydrates. So it it creates this like all or nothing mentality. And so Mm -hmm. when we come to this place of intuitive eating in the beginning, it will feel like you are out of control around those foods that you weren't allowed to have in diet culture because you weren't allowed to have them for five to 20 years, right? Depending on the person. Mm -hmm. But once you start to build trust with your body and build a neutral relationship with food, then things become more neutral, more calm. And you can really ask yourself, what do I want? What's going to make me feel physically, mentally, emotionally pleasant? You just explained that the best I've ever heard it because it's like a digestible way to actually understand it. And something you said is something my therapist always points out. I'm always like, yeah, I had a good day or I had a bad day or I did good or I did bad. And she's like, what's with this like good or bad? Why is it so one extreme or the other? And, you know, since we've like pointed this out, now I notice it. Like sometimes I'll be laying in bed at night, like recapping my day in my head being like, that was a good choice. That was a bad choice. Not just about food, about everything. Like, oh, I worked hard on this thing. That was good. I watched TV. That was lazy. So that was bad. And Mm -hmm. we do this thing with this good and bad. And it's like, why can't you just live somewhere in between Um, and I think that's also something really interesting that comes up a lot with dieting and a lot with trying to be intuitive or whatever it may be, just food in general. Yes. Our verbiage around food is so important. So like, instead of using the words like crap or junk, you will never hear me use that with food. They're play foods. They're fun foods. Like we Mm -hmm. have to have this this mindset switch of how we view food. Because when we use words like bad, for example, a lot of times when I ask clients, do you feel guilt or shame for eating certain types of foods? They'll say yes. And then they'll tell me, let's say it's chips or ice cream. Well, if we feel guilt for eating food or specific types of food, guilt is a moral emotion. So when we think about morals, right, we feel guilt if we like maybe punch a kid in the face and steal his ice cream cone Mm -hmm. and run away or like, Mm -hmm. you know, cheat on someone or like steal money from a bank. Like those things might make us feel guilt, but eating food Mm. should not stir up guilt. So usually when people are like, how do I know if I need to try intuitive eating? Do you feel guilt and shame with food? Because if you do, no matter how well-intended your air quotes, healthy lifestyle changes are, you can have the best meal plan and nutrient dense food plan in the world. But if you have guilt and shame of food, you're going to be stuck in that, that uh, bow and arrow pattern Mm. and feel like you're failing when there's nothing wrong with you. We know through the research that restriction is the number one indicator of binging Mm. and that will continue to happen. That's so interesting. 
Yeah, it's um, it's weird too for me specifically because I have a gluten allergy, and it almost makes me feel like I'm restricting mm-hmm. because I have an allergy when I'm not when I'm trying not to restrict. So it's like this tough other like mental layer um, on top of things that I feel like is sometimes another like roadblock. But that's just like me specifically. I know other people do though have food allergies. Mm-hmm. How does how does people having food allergies play into this if they have like let's say a dairy allergy but they're trying not to restrict? Do you find that that kind of clouds people's judgment or makes it a little bit more confusing for them? It's a great question. We get a lot of questions about not only food allergies, but we could even broaden this answer to also cover like medical diseases and Mm -hmm. conditions like diabetes. We work with people with cancer or autoimmune disorders. So it's important to remember that within intuitive eating, the 10th principle is gentle nutrition. And under that umbrella also includes medical nutrition therapy. So when we look at myself or my team, for example, we're a team of registered dietitians. We have 20 plus years of clinical experience within the field of nutrition and dietetics. So we do not ignore those aspects of the amazing things that food can do for our body. But back to what we were saying earlier, if we feel guilt and shame for food with food, there's no reason to get into some of that. We got to kind of lose that guilt and shame first, Mm -hmm. but back to what you're saying. Yes, that can add another layer of fear because just like you said, you're trying not to restrict, but then you end up kind of restricting because you have to. Exactly. And it, and it comes back to what is your intention behind your choice? If you're saying I'm choosing to eat this gluten-free bagel over this regular bagel, but not because I think that's air quotes, the healthier version that's going to make me lose weight, but because that's going to make me feel more pleasant physically, mentally, and emotionally there is nothing wrong with that. Mm. And like I said, we help people with all sorts of allergies and medical conditions. And it comes back to what is your intention behind the choice? And to also note that if you do choose to eat gluten and feel physically unpleasant to, to be curious, if you also couple that with emotional unpleasantness of kind of beating yourself up of like, how could you do this? You knew you're going to feel like shit. You're such a bad person when like, if you feel physically unpleasant, that's okay. We just talk ourselves and say like, Hey, I made a decision. I wanted to eat this food. I feel unpleasant. I understand why I feel unpleasant and tomorrow's a new day. And I have another opportunity to eat again. Mm, Interesting. I think a lot of it for people, myself, like is usually emotional triggers as well, which is why it's like important to go to therapy and, you know, figure those things out. One other thing, my sister and I were randomly talking about this the other day. We were saying how when we have kids, like we want them to have a healthy relationship with food. And I think a lot of that has to do with like the language around food and kind of like you were saying, like play, play foods or whatever it may be. Um, what are like words that we could cut out of our vocabulary or like steps that we could take um, to just like live a less like judgmental life or like to use less harsh language? Yeah. So I think some of those negative connotation words around food, like crap or junk, cutting out the words like cheat, Mm. uh, like cheat meals, right? Like we're cheating ourselves. Like why are we cheating? We're eating food. Like we're just (laughs) eating. So true. Like, right. (laughs) Um, 
And like from a, a kid perspective, we work with tons of parents as clients. Um, and the idea of just unconditional permission to eat food when, when children are restricted, when children are told something, they can only eat it after they finish their broccoli yes. or that it's a treat for being good at something. They can only get it. Like these things make the food this special prize treasure, right? It, that's mm. not neutral. That's like a whole nother playing field. So just allowing all foods at all meals, allowing foods in the house at all times a year. So not just treats around Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah, but also all year round, it neutralizes the food. And it can be really scary for parents to first try that if they were restricting children. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's where, it, like you said earlier, getting help from whether it's an intuitive eating counselor or someone who can really support you through that. Mm, that's interesting. And it brings up you know, a kid does well, you go bring them to get ice cream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, that's why when you asked earlier, oh, when did this first start like weighing on you? Or like, when did you notice diet culture? It's been our whole lives, all of us forever. Such an emphasis on food and body image and value tied to that and all of these things. So yeah, it's really some deep stuff. Um, I do want to have you join me for my Ask Alyssa segment where people write in advice. But before we get to that, like where could everyone follow you and your practice and like potentially work with you? Just because like while we're on this topic, I feel like everyone's going to want your information. <laughs> Thank you. So yes, on TikTok at Fine Food Freedom, on Instagram at fine.food.freedom. And then the easiest place both of those places are going to have links to everything, but also findfoodfreedomresources.com has all of our latest happenings, whether we have group coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, we have a monthly membership. So just depending on what level of care people are looking for. Amazing. Okay. Let's, let's get into the Ask Alyssa questions. We have a range of topics today, awesome. um, but I think you'll be great at helping. Okay. Hi, Alyssa. I have a mother-daughter relationship question for you. I grew up in a great middle-class family with a lot of love. There were ups and downs, but the love was always there. I feel very lucky and blessed. Now that I'm in my early 30s and have a family of my own, I notice all the things about my mother that I didn't want to become. It is like having my own family has now opened my eyes up to the things I don't like that my mother did when I was young. It has caused a lot of internal resentment and has put a strain on my relationship with my mom, a strain that I hold internally and don't speak with her about. I'm just avoid. I'm just in avoidance mode. What's your relationship like with your parents? Are there things you see you would change about how you would raise a family? How do I resolve this resentment? Thanks, love ya. Um, I certainly relate to this. I don't know if you do. Yes. I think for me personally, as I've entered my like late 20s, now 30, I started having to find an identity outside of my parents. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a little bit of like a tough pill to swallow when you notice like, oh, we might not agree on everything because I'm also like an adult now and I'm not just their little like puppet. Like, you know, your parents used to be like, oh, do this and you would do it or believe in this and you would believe in it. And as I became older, I was like, oh, wait, like we have some different views on things or like I would choose to do things differently. Um, so I like totally get where she's coming from. Um, I think my advice is just like, 
first of all, like holding resentment isn't great. Like maybe it's something you need to work through with like a therapist. I know there's tons of books on like reparenting, um, which basically is like, like learning how to reparent yourself so you're not like relying. I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but like on the way you grew up, you're, you're kind of like reteaching yourself certain things. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think? I love where you went with the reparenting. Yeah, I, I don't know enough of, about it to say. You might. Yeah. Well, I think of it as like that healing the inner child work, yes. which is common in therapy. And, you know, going back and, and now, of course, I'm thinking of all my clients of how many of them feel so poorly about food and body because of their parents' relationship with food. So that's such a common connection that I see a lot. And it's just, like you said, reparenting, doing some self-healing, and also just realizing like your parents, it sounds like this person had a really positive relationship with them and a really loving relationship with them. And to be able to heal from that, to realize like they were doing the best they could with the resources that they had at the mm. time. And so I think therapy is a great tool to just kind of release them of that responsibility of what they couldn't parent you in or what you did need and kind of doing a journal prompt of like, what did the younger you need to hear from a parent that they didn't get and kind of exploring that. Um, but I agree with you that resentment is only gonna like feel icky. And so if you can find it in your heart to go to therapy and kind of dig deeper there, I think that sounds like a great piece of advice. Yeah. And a few things, my therapist always says like, use the people around you as like the greatest teachers, like instead of being like, well, they did this. So now I'm going to do that same pattern because that's how they raised me. Look at it as like, they did this and I didn't love that. And this has taught me that I don't want to be that way for my kids. So like use them to teach you versus, um, to like copy them or fall into the same patterns. And then another thing I wanted to say, I'm like losing my train of thought. Hmm. It escaped me. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm like, there's so many thoughts like flying around in my head, yeah. but yeah, I think that, oh, I know what I was going to say. I grew up in a very similar situation, like great family, like love my parents, but every single person's parents, whether they are the greatest people in the entire world, somehow mess their kids up, <laughs> whether they tried to or not. Like we all have issues with our parents, even if they are on paper, the best parents it's like kind of impossible to not want to do something semi-differently than the way your parents did it. Yes. That's a great way to put it. I think everyone has healing work to do, right? And mm -hmm. that includes our parents. Exactly. Yeah. And they, like you said, they were doing their best with what they could. And at the time, like that, it's their first time being parents too. Like we're all just kind of learning as we go. No one, no one's done this before. <laughs> Okay, next one. This is a body image question. Okay, so I saw your post about Ask Alyssa, and here I am yet again asking for your advice slash opinion. I struggle with body issues hard. One day I legit think I'm the hottest girl on the block, and then the next day I'm like, oh, wow, I'm so fat. I can't even believe I let myself get this way. Like a ping pong back and forth. And I was wondering, one, is this a common thing women experience? And two, what advice do you have for those bad days? I find myself putting on sweats on those days because that's what I feel comfortable in. But I almost feel like that may make me feel worse because then I think to myself, I'm looking like a slob. If that makes sense, let me know. 
I'm sure you have a lot to say about this one. I was going to say, do you want to go first and share? And okay. you want me to bounce? Yeah, and then you could tell me if I'm wrong or not. Um, I think, first of all, very normal. I think everyone has days where it's like good or bad or back to the whole good or bad narrative. And even if you do have a healthy relationship with food, I assume you still have days where you're like, ugh, I'm just like bloated. Like, we're women. We're super freaking hormonal. Like, let's just put that out there. Like, I didn't even realize until recently how much my – like hormones affect my month like it's crazy so you do again have to give yourself grace and I think it's just about like accepting you're not if you think you look skinny on a Monday and fat on a Friday you probably don't look any different is my point like what's changed in those five days other than like your mindset or your hormones or just the way you're feeling about yourself so I think you have to kind of remind yourself like it's not that different day to day. Um, and it's usually probably just your mindset. So I think I would challenge you on days that you're feeling not so great to dress up still. And um, I, I think a good way to like pull yourself out of something is like to to kind of challenge it. So like if you're not feeling so great, maybe, you know, put on a little mascara, put on your jeans and see if that makes you feel better versus like, loathing in it or like I don't know if loathing is the right word like wallowing in it um but some days you do need to wallow too so just not all the time like sometimes for me if I'm having anxiety I know I'm having it and I'm like I just need today to like wallow in it and then tomorrow I'll start fresh so maybe not all the time but try to push yourself a little bit too would be my advice I love that And I think one of my favorite things I heard from a body image therapist, her name is body image with Brie on Instagram. She told me one time, she was like, you are going to feel negative feelings as a human being, unless you're dead. Like that's a cost of being human. And so it's totally normal to have those days that feel more negative. Now, if those days become the norm, that's when we definitely, you know, really want to make sure we're seeking help and whatnot. Mm. But I think sometimes it is a good idea to put sweats on and make sure you're like super comfortable. And like you said, feel the feelings, allow yourself to sit in it. And then we can also dress for style, but still be comfortable. I think there's this big Mm -hmm. misconception that like, if we want to be comfortable, it has to be frumpy, but a big piece of body image work I do with clients is when you're getting dressed, get dressed with your back to the mirror. Do not look in the mirror does it fit your body comfortably? Can you do a squat? Can you sit down and still breathe? Can you know? Can you wear these clothes? And if the answer is yes, they're comfortable, then we turn around and look in the mirror. Is it stylish? Does it meet your standards? If the answer is yes, then, then wear it. Mm-hmm. So we can buy clothes that fit our body comfortably and still really like rock our style. And it doesn't have to be sweatpants. So that could be a piece of advice. Um, and then I loved, just like you said, being aware of your emotions, like how you said you were aware of your anxiety, like for people that are having bad body image days or negative body image days, just being able to recognize that and know what support is going to honor them. So maybe it's calling a friend who has, you know, who has an understanding of this, or um, maybe it's working with a therapist or an intuitive eating counselor or someone who they can go to that's going to help them challenge these thoughts instead of just sitting in the dark and letting them fester. Totally. Yeah. No, I think I I agree completely. Um, Okay. Last question. 
When I was younger, my dad and I had a great relationship. I went away to college in 2016, and this is where our relationship began to go downhill. He never wanted me to go away to school, and we constantly have argued back and forth about my student loans. Fast forward four and a half years, I am recently graduated, and the arguments about my loans don't stop. On top of that, I have put on a few pounds of weight. I am already self-conscious about the weight, but my dad constantly makes comments about how I, quote, don't take care of myself and compares me to my younger sister who goes to the gym every single day. I do make efforts at losing the weight, but it seems like anything I do isn't good enough for him. It's gotten to the point that anytime I eat something unhealthy, I get terrible anxiety that I'm going to be judged for it and feel like I have to hide what I'm eating. I hate that I can't be my full true self with my dad anymore and miss my relationship we used to have. What could I do to fix this? This makes me sad because I get it like when you feel like people are judging you then you feel like you need to hide it and then it's feeding into this restricting cycle it's like and also like I always say and feel like you want to feel like you're in your safe space with your parents it's like you guys are supposed to be my comfort so if you're making me feel uncomfortable where could I feel comfortable um so I I feel for you I really do understand that I think First of all, um, if you're paying off your student loans by yourself and he isn't like financially helping you, that's a choice that you made and it's something you're taking care of. And as long as you're not asking him for money, then it's really none of his business. So I think you could just say like, look, I made this choice. I'm done with school. What's done is done. I'm paying off the loans. I really don't understand why this keeps coming up. Like, the loans are there and they're not going to go away. So focusing on this is only applying pressure on me and making me feel like uncomfortable about my choice when like I made this choice and I stand by it. And like, I'd really like if we could just stop like talking about the obvious, like what's done is done. Um, the thing about the weight and the food, I think like, I think what my therapist would say, because I'm trying to think, would be, like, why do other people's opinions, like, affect you? Like, why are you um, internalizing, like, his thoughts that don't, like, aren't necessarily true? Um, like, as long as you're happy with your activity level and you're, you know, doing things that are healthy for you, like, who's to say he knows more than you? So it's a little bit about, like, putting up a boundary and then also maybe, like, honestly, I would say – this obviously takes money and resources, but I would get out of the house. Um, like your parents at some point, like you're an adult and he can't like be controlling you anymore because you're an adult and you can make decisions for yourself. Like your parents can't really, they can and they do tell you still what to do, but like, do they really have a right to at some point? Yeah, that was good. The only thing I would add there is that whenever anybody makes any comments about your weight or your food choices that has everything to do with how they view their body and their relationship with food and nothing to do with you. And so it sounds like her dad is projecting, which Mm -hmm. is not fair to her whatsoever, but that's just something to keep in mind is that has everything to do with him and nothing to do with you. That doesn't always make it any easier. Um, But that can be a helpful little nugget. And then I think just keeping at the forefront, you know, she ended this saying like, 
I genuinely miss the relationship that I have with him. And I just want it to go back to being the same. And if that's the end goal for her, I think communicating that because I would be pretty surprised or I would be pretty surprised if her dad didn't have the exact same desire, but their own stuff is just kind of coming up and coming in the way. So maybe mm. if they can just voice that and communicate that, then they can work through some of these troubles together. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause all these parent things, like I really relate to in a sense, because like I said, I've come into my own and like, just like, you know, it's been such a heavy year of like politics and this and that and social issues and all these things. And like, I have like strong opinions and I'm like, you know, my own person and I have opinions about food and entertainment and this and that and all these things. And like, sometimes like your parents, they're not always going to be on the same page as you. And like, I think I've had to come to like an understanding of kind of what I said, like our parents did our job, like they raised us and like now we're adults and like we are our own people too. And we're going to hopefully like have our own families and like you have to almost separate yourself from like being the kids still, which is really hard to do. Like I still am like, mom, dad, like help. I need you. But like, I'm freaking 30 years old. Like I always try to remind myself, I'm like, my mom at my age had two kids. And I'm like, hey, mom, like I'm in an Uber. I'm feeling a little unsafe. Will you track me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I feel like I'm almost like still acting like a kid. So they take on that parent responsibility as like they're the parents. But then when I decide I want to be an adult, then they're kind of like, wait, but you're the kid. Because it's like the dynamic gets a little blurred. So I think it's a lot. Like I think our generation, like in general, like millennials deal with this a lot with their parents. Yes. Did you read Untamed by Glennon Doyle by any chance? Okay. I'm such an idiot because I started it and every single person is like, have you read it? Have you read it? And I'm like, no, I need to finish it. I need to honestly restart it because I don't even remember what I read at this point. But I hear it's like life changing. Well, she, you can always do it on Audible. That might be good because you like to city bikes. So you could like listen to That's it. That's my issue, I think, like sitting still. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at reading. Yeah. I like Audible every book, but I like say I read it. But I actually did read hers and Audible it. But she has a whole chapter on like the day she became a woman was when she set a boundary with her mom and became like mom, mom instead of mom, daughter. And mm. she talked about like, I think it was like in her 40s. It might be 50s. I don't remember. Um I don't even think she's in her fifties. I think it was in her forties, but she was just saying how that was the day she became a mom, like a woman. And it was so hard for her to set a boundary with her own mother. And I think so many daughters can relate to that or, you know, father, daughter relationship, whatever it is. Totally. I do think it's really generational because I don't think our parents, parents, parented the same way. Like we kind of all have like helicopter parents in a way. And, um, it's a really like tough pill to swallow that, unfortunately your dynamic might never go back to where it was too even though you want it to like I'm always like oh like a little daddy's girl and now me and my dad like fight about politics do you know what I'm saying like and like part of that will never go back because I'm not just like his daughter that like looks at everything that he says and does and agrees wholeheartedly I challenge him yes I love that and that's very special um yeah so I think that's all she wrote. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. I think this was such an eye-opening conversation. And you also have like such a way of 
making things like digestible. Um, so everyone, if you want like nuggets of information, her TikTok and Instagram, like she's like just always like pulsing out little nuggets of information. Um, so I hope everyone follows you and thank you so much. We might have to do a part two. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. And I'm always happy to come back. Fall is just around the corner and you could shop the new and best-selling hoodies in the Barstool Sports store at store.barstoolsports.com. And while you're there, check out my merch. If you just go to brands on top and then scroll down to publicity, I have sweatshirts, hats, blankets, literally the whole nine yards. So whether you're getting um, publicity merch or just Barstool merch, you can go to store.barstoolsports.com. Okay, guys, it is time to spill the tea, and today's tea is some sad news. I do want to give a trigger warning to anyone that is um, going to be upset or um, affected by things discussing potential murder or someone going missing. So um, if you don't want to listen to this, we are going to be talking about Gabby Petito, so please feel free to skip this now. Um, and yeah, let's get into it. Really, really heavy, sad situation that I'm going to try to kind of describe what's been going on in the news and what I've consumed and nothing I'm saying is necessarily like 100% factually correct. This is just information I am consuming from TikTok, news outlets, find Gabby Facebook groups, etc. Um, and I do want to just be sensitive with that. So here is the discussion. If you guys have not been following the news. I'm sure you have. I think it's literally everywhere. Um, A travel influencer slash like young girl in her 20s um, had gone on a road trip with her fiance and they were traveling like across the U.S. like in a van I guess or just going to national parks. Um, Her parents started getting concerned thinking you know we haven't heard from her in a few days And her fiance had returned home to Florida with the van and she was nowhere to be found. So I might be missing some details, but this is my understanding of the situation. Um, So then the fiance refused to talk to the cops. His lawyer basically put out a statement being like, we hope they find her, but my client's not going to say anything. And her parents are kind of like, what the hell? You're the only person that knows where our daughter could possibly be or what happened to her, and you're not speaking? A few days later, he goes missing. His parents report him missing. Um, He is, at this point, a person of interest. And um, as things have developed now, they have found a body resembling hers in Wyoming. And um, I think they're still waiting on, like, forensic testing, but they believe it to be her body based on, like, the facts, like, height, weight. Even they, I even heard that there was tattoos that were hers, you know, so it is her, but I think it's just not confirmed yet. I know. It makes me so sad. Um, Like, I have literal chills right now as we speak about it. Because it's like, he either did it 100% or knows what happened if he didn't physically do it himself you know what I, I mean I have absolutely no trouble believing that he I mean he did it he I did think it. so too but I think it could be as simple as him like leaving her behind somewhere yeah yeah he could have left what her I behind mean? and then someone found her and killed her but I don't uh, the facts just don't add up that way the van was left in in less than a mile away from where she was found and so I think 
you know, like he whatever killed oh, her. Oh, from then, those YouTubers that put up the footage of the van. Is that yes, what you're talking and that's, about? That's that's how they found out where she was. This gives me the chills. Okay, so this couple that was YouTubing um in the area decided a few days later, like it just was something wasn't sitting right with them and they were like, Let's go back in our footage and just see if in our like vlog footage if there's any sightings of these people or their van. And they noticed in their vlog footage they were um like taking footage of them um driving down like a long windy road and in the left hand corner of the footage there was a white van parked and they immediately gave it to the FBI and the police and I guess because of that footage that they gave them they were able to kind of like narrow in on the search and find out like where she was last seen yeah and that's exactly like that location of where they had that footage is really close to where she was found and that's how she was found basically so I think that that's the last place that you know that van was with her in it or you know near it um and there was like I saw pictures of um in that footage there were sandals that matched like her sandals and there was a phone on the ground next to the van like oh my god it's just it's it's horrible and the fact that I want to also talk about like the parents being involved Oh, my God. So we were talking about this ahead, like before we started recording. And basically, the man who's like the person of interest who I believe did this. The fiance. The fiance who's on the run. His parents now are getting kind of roped into um, into the situation because they covered for him basically saying, oh, we don't know where he is or something along those right. lines. Yeah. Well, so ultimately, he went back to his house with the van and his his parents home so he either told the parents or told the parents something happened I don't know he might have mental issues is what I'm hearing I don't want to you know say things that I'm hearing that I don't know are complete Mm -hmm. facts but I heard so allegedly he might like have been like seeing things I don't know that could have you know if he is the person that killed his fiance I have a theory though because people are saying that they had like a um it altercation the couple um, and the cops were called because, like, they were in a um, confrontation. And right. I guess other campgoers called the cops. And when the cops came, the girl took the full blame and was like, oh, I have a lot of anxiety. It's fine. I was overreacting. Right. Yeah. But, like, abusive men make mm-hmm. women take the blame. Or they so, at least think that they're at fault, the women. Exactly. So I don't even trust that story because he probably says, oh, the cops are coming. If you tell them what happened, I'm going to murder you. I'm going to kill. You know what I mean? Like guys that are abusive threaten you. So obviously she's going to lie to the cops. So I don't even believe the stories leading up to it because if she was with a guy that was so dangerous, like you do and say things that you wouldn't normally say or do. But that's what's crazy to me is like maybe if he – I don't know if there was any signs of him being dangerous leading up to this. Maybe it, maybe it just slowly happened or this whole road trip. Like, I've always heard that when you go on a road trip with um, a significant other, that's always very telling of your relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it's always important to do that before, you know. You but, like, it takes a certain person to literally murder someone. I, like I know. I think maybe – I I don't I don't want to make assumptions. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but something – this altercation definitely caused something something to go off in his brain if he was the person that killed her or just left her behind or do you think like 
Yeah, I don't really want to make assumptions either. But obviously, I was going to say something. But there's, like, all these things in my head because I'm always, like, trying to be, like, maybe this happened or maybe this happened. The truth is none of us know. It's super unfortunate. I think think the truth will come out slowly. And I really just – I feel so awful for – her parents, like her dad's Instagram posts are breaking my freaking heart. I didn't see those. Oh, he's just like, you know, up until yesterday, he was like, we're not losing hope. Like, we're going to keep fighting. And then he was like talking about how he like broke down in tears. And it's just like, it's so sad. She was so young. Um, so hopefully justice is served. Rest in peace. Yeah. It's it's really, really unfortunate. Um, so I did want to talk about that because, you know, we have to be safe. Make sure that you like know who you're traveling with you have share your location with but people but that's what's crazy to me is because know who you're traveling with you're traveling with your fiance I know that's your fiance that's what's so scary about like life like you could be even these people who like get married to someone and then the person ends up being like a con artist it's like how are you supposed to know you just don't and it's on it, you it's just, just don't it's you're very right. uncommon but it happens and it's unfortunate and it's really unfortunate for her and I'm I'm so sorry to her and her family. Me like, too. This is horrible. It sure is. What a somber way to um, close this episode out. But I will be back next week. If you guys are new here, don't forget to su- subscribe, rate, review, and I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. <laughs>